This is Corey Good Morning from Tattoo 408. When I first got hired, he was like, go do a fresh tattoo and come back and show me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I tattooed my girlfriend and bring in. He's like, all right, you go set up in the back. I did a few names in the back and then he's like, all right, you can move to the front. And then it was on after that. Hey, what's up everybody? Ethan here. Before we dive into this, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to all of you who are listening. Thank you to all the new listeners we have. The response to the two episodes with Orly that I put out have just been overwhelming. Now, the numbers for the podcast still aren't huge, but we're averaging close to 250 downloads per episode. There's been over 4,000 downloads total for the entire podcast. Orly's first episode quickly became the most downloaded episode. I've been doing this for about five months. At the end of January, it'll be six months. And while those numbers are not huge, I personally am so grateful and so stoked on those numbers, right? But I just wanted to throw that out there. I love this project. It's a passion project. I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't passion. Those numbers aren't super great. I'm not making any money. It's it's just, I'm dedicating a lot of time to bring these stories to you, to the listeners. The vast majority of the listeners are tattoo artists, and I personally love that fact. I would like to get some more tattoo enthusiast listeners, but I think that's going to come with time. But again, I just wanted to say thank you. And I know it's annoying when I ask you to, to tell your friends and family about the show. But like I said, the majority of you are tattoo artists. Maybe tell your clients about the show. I know, like I cringe when I ask for the reviews and the ratings and the likes and all that stuff. It's slightly embarrassing that I have to ask every time because in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to depend on that kind of stuff to promote our art. But I figured tattoo artists understand that aspect of it better than most. Anyway, again, thank you. Thank you for when I come into your shop and we don't know each other for always being so kind to me. It's very rare that when I walk into a shop that I'm not welcomed. San Jose is truly a special place. I have big plans for the podcast this year. It's going to hopefully go beyond the podcast this year. We'll see. I'm also a dad with a day job trying to do this podcast. It's, it's, it's a lot, but like I said, I'm passionate about it. So anyway, let's get to the real meat of the episode. I just wanted to say thank you. What is up, everybody? It's Ethan Gregory Dodge here with episode 20 of Tattoo 408. I know I say this every time, but literally every time that number gets higher, I just I can't believe it. It's it's been a great journey. Anyway, this week we got Corey Good morning on the show. And I'm stoked. Corey's a good friend of mine. I actually hang out at his shop quite often. It is current tattooing on race street, like just a block off the Alameda. If you know where recycled bookstore is right, if you're heading 
north on the, excuse me, if you're heading south on the Alameda and you turn right onto Race Street, like half a block down, it's right there on the left side. It is a fantastic shop. It is a very large shop that you walk in and it's got a small front room and they got these awesome saloon style swinging doors. And there's about three or four artists that are there in the front room. And then there's a kitchen to the side, but then you walk into the back room and the back room is enormous. Like it could be a warehouse. Okay. It's not as big as a warehouse, but it, it it's way bigger than you would expect. And it's great because they actually put on a lot of art shows back there. And I love that they do that for the community. In fact, I myself, as a amateur photographer, my very first photography show was actually at a show in current tattooing. So it's got a special place in my heart, not to mention I'm really good friends with all the artists there and I hang out there quite a bit, as I said. I recommend you go check it out. A really good opportunity to do so is actually going to be in just a couple of months. Every Lunar New Year, they put on an art show to ring in that new Lunar New Year. This year coming up is the Year of the Dragon, and so they're going to have a lot of dragon-themed pieces. This past year was the Year of the Rabbit. They had a bunch of rabbit-themed pieces. It's great. All the artists at the shop participate, as well as a bunch of other artists from around San Jose and the larger Bay Area. That'll be, I believe, the Lunar New Year's at the beginning of February this year. Anyway, go and follow the shop on Instagram, Current Tattooing. They'll be posting the flyer there when the show's coming up. You don't want to miss it. Anyway, Corey is the founder of Current Tattooing, and I interviewed him in that big room in the back, right? The audio is good. For those of you who have listened to all the episodes, you'll know that I actually got new microphones at one point. This was the last interview that I did on the old microphones, and it turned out really great. Those are great microphones. They're just not the best for podcast interviewing. And I really like the vibe that it caught. There's a fountain in that back room and you can hear the fountain kind of trickling. One thing I want to point out before we get started is he brings up Pinky. He brings up New School. He brings up Orly. If you're hearing these names for the first time, you need to press stop right now and go back and listen to all the episodes of Tattoo 408 that have been released because you will learn all of those names very quickly and you will quickly learn their influence in San Jose tattooing. I know I've promised an episode specifically about Pinky Yun. It's coming, I promise. But by this time, you should really, really know quite a bit about New School and Orly was the last guest I had on the show. So there you go. I just love how these reoccurring themes of different shops different artists, different influences are coming up in artist stories. It's exactly what I was hoping for when I launched this podcast to show how everything is interconnected and how artists feed off of each other and how they are influenced by their surroundings and other things going on around them. Anyway, I'm going to quit blabbering. So here we go. Here's my episode with Corey. Good morning. Can I ask why the good morning? Um, it was, you know, just kind of started as a joke. I used to tell one of my uh, 
boss's dad that used to hang out the shop, I used to just tell him good morning, even though it was at night all the time. Mm-hmm. Good morning. And he used to laugh at me. Yeah. You know, just to, just and stuck. then one day he came in, he's like, hey, Corey, good morning. And I needed to reinvent myself at the time, so I just rung, rung a bell. So I okay. ran, ran with it. Okay. Know? Okay. Sweet. So let's start from the beginning. Where, where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Um, born in Sacramento in 75, but I grew up my whole life here in San Jose. Yeah? Mm-hmm. In 1975. Yeah. And when did, when, uh, when did your family move down here to San Jose? Well, when I was a child, probably, you know, infant. You know, definitely before I can remember. Yeah? Yeah. What part of San Jose did you grow up in? Um, let's see. 24th and William Street is where I my first can remember living. Okay. Yeah, but spent most of my time on 15th and Santa Clara downtown yeah growing up yeah you got that's where you lived it was 15th in santa clara yeah okay mm-hmm. and what was what was your childhood like what was it like growing up downtown uh, it was fun you know it's kind of a mix of uh exploring on my bike as a little kid watching downtown change and get a light rail and different businesses come and go so being able to walk up and down the same streets i i grew up on is is uh, pretty refreshing you know yeah yeah um, when did the light rail go in? Do you remember? How old were you? Yeah, I was like seven or eight. Yeah. I remember all the construction downtown. Yeah. yeah I'm, you know, just riding my bike around and I just remember the, all the construction downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how is, has downtown changed? Like, uh, like, I mean, you, you mentioned the light rail, but like in terms of like urban density, like was it always, like there's only really only like what, five or six blocks that are like super urban downtown. Yeah, yeah. Was it always um, like you that? Know, I remember really like going to the pavilion. I don't remember if you remember that one. Mm-mm. Okay, so it's now it's kind of a, a tech office building, but it was kind of a small mall downtown right across the street from the Fairmont. Okay. And it was just a bunch of malls and bars. They had a Walden Books in there and mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of other cool little stores. But uh, that hasn't been there for a long time. I missed that part. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, San Jose State was kind of my playground, too, growing up, you know, at the student union. I'd go there and play video games a lot and pool down there a lot. Yeah. Just like as a, like as a kid, like mm-hmm. in elementary, junior high and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, because it's open. You can go down there and spend money, then let you. Yeah. 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 But uh, downtown's definitely changed a bunch. I mean, uh, you know, I can remember going to the Jose Theater before it was the improv, mm-hmm. watching movies all day. And yeah. So different stuff like that. Cool to be able to witness the changes for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about downtown now? Um, you know, it's uh, bittersweet for me. I feel like I, I grew up down there, but I don't spend enough time down there. So, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, when I do go down there, I'm just like, oh, I miss it. And then, you know, quickly I remember why I don't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it's uh, just being homesick, you know? Mm-hmm. I like it when I'm there and I, I miss it when I'm not. Yeah. What? So, have you always been drawing? When did you start drawing? Oh yeah, I've always been drawing since comic books and, you know, to graffiti and then into tattooing. Mm-hmm. So it's just been a constant something letting me draw. Yeah. You know? What, what kind of comic books? Uh, mostly Marvel. Yeah. You know, just looking at stuff in the Marvel comic books and, uh, just looking at them and trying to draw them exactly, you know? Yeah. Did a lot of that growing up. Which was your favorite to draw? Venom. 
Yeah. You know, all the little slimes and all the little oh, stuff. Yeah. It was just easy, kind of easier to draw, you know? Uh -huh. Real organic, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Didn't have to be so precise. Yeah. yeah. How old were you when you were doing the comics? Uh, that was probably early junior high. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's when I really started taking it serious drawing. Um, what did your parents think of your drawing? Um, you know, my, my dad didn't really have too much to say, but my grandma's really the one that kind of pushed and, uh, you know, stoked that fire. You know, every Christmas, every birthday, I'm getting a drawing supply or a mm -hmm. notebook to draw in or mm -hmm. some paints or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So it was really my grandma that kind of um, put the breadcrumbs there for me to follow, you know. Yeah. And it definitely paid off, you know, for sure. Yeah. So um, is your grandma still around? Oh, no. She's no. been dead for quite a while, yeah. You were tight with her then? Oh, yeah, yeah. She basically raised me, you know. My dad mm -hmm. was pretty busy, so I spent a lot of time with my grandma. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I lived with her, so. Was it his mom? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And it, she, where, was your dad French or Puerto Rican? Which, which parent uh, was he? He was French-Canadian. Yeah. French-Canadian. Yeah. Okay. Do you speak French or, no, or no. Spanish? No, 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 no. <laughs> These are, I think they're both distant relatives on both sides, you know, a couple generations, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was your mom around? No. 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 She, uh, she wasn't around, no. She's, uh, she passed away a couple years ago. She lived in Sac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any siblings that you grew up with, or? Um, you know, I have a bunch of half-siblings, mm -hmm. but they all live in Sacramento. Yeah. And um, I'm tight with a couple of them now. You know, we hang out on uh, kids' birthdays. You know, mm -hmm. both of my siblings have six kids each, so that's a lot of cousins. Yeah. And I, you know, I relish in the um, times they can spend together. So we try to make it a point to all hang out as much as we can, you know, because we were real close when we were growing up. So I think mm -hmm. as we're getting to be adults and watching our kids play, it's, it's, even, it's even better. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. But but at the time, but growing up, you said you weren't you weren't tight with them. No, it was just summers here and there, a couple of weeks spending summers with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Dad would drop me off there. Or I'd take the Greyhound over there to Sacramento and hang out mm -hmm. with them for the summer, and then yeah, yeah. What, how did you feel about that being distant from your mom and your half siblings? Um, you know, it never bothered me that much. Yeah. You know, there was always uh, a lot of communication. You know, everybody filled me in. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up, so. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, you said you were drawing in like junior high, drawing a lot of comics, Venom, Marvel comics. And then your grandma was like super encouraging mm -hmm. of your art. And mm -hmm. she would, said that she would like gift you things to, to draw yeah, with. Yeah, you know, every, every excuse she could pretty much, it was, uh, that was the going to be the gift. And I can, I can almost look forward to it, you know, growing up, mm -hmm. you know, get a new sketchbook or set of pencils or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't mostly just sketching then with pencils or were you doing painting um, or anything? You know, mostly markers, you know, uh, growing up, I used mostly pen and markers. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a little bit of black and gray shading here and there, but it was mostly markers that were, was my, uh, my what I preferred. What do you think it was about markers? <clears throat> mm. Uh, probably the colors, the vibrant colors, you know, that I can get and the layering you could do with the markers, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I can draw direct parallels with using markers to tattooing, 
today, you know, when I use them. So I feel like uh, definitely came in handy, that experience. Yeah. What are those parallels? Um, well, you know, uh, tattooing's transparent, you know, so is markers on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. uh, the color piece, piece of paper you use, whatever color it, it is, those colors are going to translate. Mm -hmm. You have to account for the paper being darker, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So in that aspect, it's the same. Layering too, you know, you could do the same kind of layering stuff. Yeah. But the transparency and the layering of markers kind of remind me also to the shape of a marker has chisel tip. It's kind of square like a mag. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when I'm using it, you know, I'm able to kind of manipulate my hand like I'm using a marker almost. Interesting. In a familiar kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. When did you start getting into graffiti? Um, you know, probably the middle school. You know? Yeah. Middle school. I can't remember if it was sixth or seventh grade, but you know, watching dudes ride on the bus, going home and then trying to do it myself on paper. And then that's how that all started. Yeah. What, uh, what drew you to, like when you saw the kids riding on the bu bus, what was? Um, I think for me, it was just a complete shock and awe, you know? Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, you know, they were bumping Beastie Boys and on a radio on the back of the bus, and the bus mm -hmm. was crowded full of kids, and basically the kids were doing whatever they wanted. And mm -hmm. to me, the music matched the scene, you know? So yeah. it seemed pretty uh, inviting, yeah. you know, at that age. What were they putting on the bus? Um, I can't remember exactly what they were writing, but yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. What kind of, what, when you did graffiti, what kind of things? Would you, what, what was your subject? What was it? A lot of lettering or? Mm, I stuck to characters mostly. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I could do letters, but characters are kind of always my thing. You know, because I like to draw pictures, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So even when I did letters, I would try to be minimal with the amount of letters I did just because I know it wouldn't my strong suit. You mm -hmm. know? What were the characters like? Just bubbly faced. Angry looking dudes with crowns and, mm -hmm. you know, suns with faces on them, clouds mm -hmm. with faces on them. Bunch of different little funny stuff. Is any of your, did you, did you ever do any of your graffiti on buildings and, and shit around San Jose? Or, Absolutely. And where, are any of it, is any of it still around? Probably not. No? <laughs> That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And how long, <clears throat> how long were you tagging shit? Mm, you know, probably pretty close to when I started tattooing, mm -hmm. you know, off and on, you just, you know, but probably pretty close. Yeah. And, when, and then, you know, my, you know, the people that I knew in graffiti were some of the people that introduced me to tattooing. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like a uh, direct bridge to the next medium. Yeah. So how old were you when you started tattooing then? Let's see. It was 99 when I got my machines. I had tattooed and made a homemade machine. I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I didn't tattoo anybody. I just tattooed myself a whole bunch on my ankles and stuff. But mm -hmm. so that, I mean, I probably 17 when I built that machine, but. Where'd you learn how to build the machine? Um, my friend uh, Chindo, I used to go to his house all the time and um, his older sister's boyfriend had just got out the joint and was tattooing kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got my first tattoo. It was from yeah. that guy. What was it? Uh, my initials on my chest. Do you still have it? I got it covered up. Yeah. Because I, I realized, why did I get my own initials? I ain't going to forget. But, <laughs> but I ended up getting it covered up. 
Do you regret that? Or, or no, not? not at all. It was part of the experience. I was super proud when I got it. My dad was pissed when I came home. <laughs> he wanted to go there and go talk to their mom, but I talked them out of it. You said you were like 16, 17? I was 17 when 17? I got that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, probably a couple months after that is when I was like, oh, I could do that. You know, made a little, little thing to mess around with. What was, do you remember the guy's name that did it I on? don't. No? No, I have, I have no idea. I couldn't remember. I would yeah. have to get a hold of that dude and <laughs> ask him. You think he's still around? Um, um, maybe. I mean, he was already older. His sister was already, you know, five, six years older than us. Mm -hmm. So probably you, maybe. You still in contact with that friend? Or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Dope. Let's try yeah. and track him down. Yeah, he lives in Austin. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, he does. He moved out there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he ta so this guy taught you, was it the friend or the guy that tattooed you that taught you how to make the machine? No, that was just my experience getting a tattoo when I was younger. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? But yeah. when I got my own, my own machines, I bought them off a, off a friend that I wrote graffiti with. And he, you know, I kind of stood over his shoulder for a while and he knew I could draw. So, um, I bought a box of his old stuff for a hundred bucks and came back to San Jose. That was in Seattle mm -hmm. and started tattooing. I'm trying to think how old I was. It's probably 99, uh -huh. 1999. So. It's like 25. You know, right before that. Yeah. 25, 24, right around there. Yeah. What were you doing in Seattle? Just visiting or were you living there? Yeah. You know, I had gone up there a few times to visit a friend, you mm -hmm. know, and it was just, you know, at first it was just on some, just visiting a friend, but he was starting to tattoo at the time, and he had made a little, uh, you know, a little studio in his house and tattooing friends in there. You know, so I made a couple trips and watched him, and then on my third trip, that's when I, I bought stuff from him. Yeah. And, and you know, I would go up there and get tattooed from him, you know, and watch him when he tattooed. So that was kind of my first little, maybe I can do this moment. Right. And yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> sorry, I got a little distracted because this was blinking, but um, so you get the machines and you come back down to San Jose and did you just start tattooing or, or what? Yeah, basically, you know, I convinced my girlfriend at the time to let me tattoo her. So I tattooed her, you know, and I had more than enough friends that knew I could draw. So it was really easy for me to get guinea pigs when I first started. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was just using one machine, a liner to line and shade with. How was that? How were they turning out? I didn't out? know. Any, all right, I guess. I, mean, uh -huh. the, I didn't know any better at the time. You know, I was making it happen. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of tattoos in garages and basements and bedrooms and parties and all kinds of weird shit. But, you know, I'll chalk it up for experience. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah. Did you ever go to any, like, party? Like, I, I like... You know Abraham Ortega and, and Chono yeah. and them. Like yeah. the, they like tell me stories about tattooing uh, parties on the east side. Mm -hmm. Did you were you ever at any of those parties or? You know I had busted out my equipment at a few get-togethers a couple times. We did a couple tattoos, but it wasn't like a a thing thing. You mm -hmm. know it was just kind of a spontaneous. Yeah, I got my stuff in the trunk because I used to roll around with it in my trunk in my uh -huh. car. Uh huh. What well, and. Uh, what kind of stuff were you tattooing at that time? Um, you know, at that time I was looking at a lot of stuff in Heavy Metal Magazine for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, I really like that magazine. There's all kinds of different artwork in there, so. 
I was drawing out of there a lot. Heavy metal magazine. Not not familiar. Is just I I assume it was a music magazine. Or? No, it's a it's like a comic book, but it has a bunch of different artists. You know, small little stories. Mm -hmm. But you know, the art might be a little a little adult. You know, they might have mm -hmm. some titties in the art or something. Mm -hmm. But that's mm -hmm. about it. You know, mm -hmm. it's nothing too crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but it's definitely not for kids. Yeah, it's just a cool magazine. There's probably some in the back I can show you. Yeah. Okay. Did. Do any of your friends and still have those tattoos that you did back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. How, how do they look now? Okay. Yeah? Yeah. Do you like seeing them or no? I do. Yeah, yeah I like watching my tattoos age for sure. That's, I feel like, a really good lesson. You know, you can mm -hmm. see how things look 20, 30 years from when you did it. So yeah. it's, it's neat. Yeah. When, so how often would you say you were tattooing at that point? Maybe a couple times a month. Okay. So not know? super frequently. No. No, it was just here and there, you know, when I could talk somebody into it, you know. And w when did you decide that you wanted to do it full time? Um, the same friend that lived in Seattle, Salem. Mm -hmm. um, he has a shop in San Francisco now called Eye of the Tiger. Mm. Uh, he lived in Seattle and he had moved to New Orleans and he had been living out there for a while. And uh, he had told me that, you know, he'd be able to get me a, a job in a shop pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Pretty much gave me the guarantee. He's like, dude, I get you in a shop for sure. So packed up all my stuff. Me and my girlfriend moved out there. To New Orleans? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And then uh, he got me a job in a week. And it was just full, full blast from there. Yeah? Yeah. Um. Is, is, did Salem grow up in San Jose? Or? No, he grew up in Seattle. In Seattle, okay. Yeah. Um, and so was it like a formal apprenticeship in New Orleans or what was, what was the shop like? No, I mean, I took the stuff that I had bought from him and uh, he's like, you're gonna need a second machine if you get into a shop. So he gave me a second machine and uh, told me take it apart, put it back together. And then I did, and it didn't work. <laughs> and then I did it again, and it worked, so. <clears throat> um, you gotta fail at least once, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, because you know, I didn't know how, so right. that's, I guess, the exercise was for. But uh, yeah, I got two machines, and they <clears throat> got me in a shop pretty quick. So what, what year was that, like 2000, 2001? 2001. 2001, yeah. so you'd been just tattooing as a side hobby for two years yeah, or so. Yeah, off and on, you know, I was between jobs and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, cause after school I went to a graphics, uh, like a master's institute. I don't know if you heard of it. Okay, uh-uh. Yeah, it was like a technical college here in town. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of a farce, you know, they got sued and a whole bunch of people didn't get to pay back their loans. Wow. Because they got, went bankrupt and did uh -huh. a lot of shady stuff with their, uh -huh. with their stuff, so. Yeah. But anyways, like I, would, I went there for graphic arts and, and computer graphics and advertising. So you After know. high school? Yeah, so uh -huh. after, that's what I did as, as like work, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, um, so. and that, what kind of stuff were you doing for work, like in terms of graphics, like? Mm. Any stuff you, you know, liked? Did a, or? Oh yeah, tons. Uh -huh. I did a bunch of freelance stuff, but uh, I think I worked at Fry's Electronics in their advertising department for a little over two years. Mm -hmm. 
And at that time, the, the Fry brothers owned the Sabercats, the San Jose Sabercats. It was the arena football thing. Okay. So I had the opportunity to do like all their schedules and seating flyers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Different promotional stuff for that team. I still got in the por portfolio. I always feel like if I stop tattooing, that's probably what I'm gonna fall back on. Yeah. But um, yeah, I worked, did a bunch of their stuff, team stuff, and then Fry's like break room camaraderie, you know, sales objective posters in the break room to kind of motivate mm -hmm. employees. I did a bunch of posters like that. And, mm -hmm. uh, designed VHS covers. That kind of shows you how old it is <laughs> for uh, the different stores. Cause I think they had like 16 different stores at one point and they each have a different video. So I had to do a bunch of graphics design work for all of that. Mm -hmm. But a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, I never not liked it. I think when it became monkey work is when I kind of lost my fire for it. Yeah. You know, like where it became the thing I wanted to do. It seemed like the higher I got in doing graphics, the more precise things needed to be mm -hmm. as far as Pantone colors and how far it needs to be off the edge of the page and mm -hmm. different stuff like that. So it just felt like uh, as much as I wanted to be creative and have ideas and you're dealing, you know, with those kind of people, it's, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get to choose. You right. just got to do it, you know? Right. So I think that's kind of what, uh, I don't know, steered me away from it at the time. Yeah. Interesting. And I had been getting tattoos while I worked there mm -hmm. or, you know, while I was doing that job. Mm -hmm. So. Who were you getting tattooed by? From Salem and who else did I get tattooed by? Yeah, he did a, a, the majority of most of my first tattoos. Mm -hmm. You know, I went on to Hate Street when I was like 19 and got a tattoo on the back of my arm. Mm -hmm. you know, I wish I got tattooed by Pinky, but never happened. Yeah. Walked in there a couple times, but never went down. What, it, what, what happened when you walked in there? One time I just walked in there looking around, mm -hmm. you know, and then just kind of in awe. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, did they say anything to you that time or no, they were busy. So yeah. I was kind of, I got to look around and then I just walked out mm -hmm. the second time I walked in there late and, you know, I'm leaning over the, just watching, looking the whole setup and looking at everything he's doing. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, his wife asked me to leave cause they're closing. Yeah. You're going to get a tattoo. And I was like, no, she's like, oh, you gotta go. Yeah. It's a pretty straightforward old lady. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. What about, did, did you ever get tattooed by John? No, no. I didn't. No, I don't think, no, I did not. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you're in, you're in New Orleans. Uh-huh. Tattooing. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Did you like that shop? Did you, what was it like? Uh, it was Crescent City Tattoo Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that owned it, was, his name was Tiger Mike. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. Give me my shot. Give me my foot in the door, you know. When I first got hired, he's like, go do a fresh tattoo and come back and show me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I tattooed my girlfriend and bring in. He's like, all right, you go set up in the back mm -hmm. on, uh, on a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday because it was a $20 Tuesday for a name. Mm -hmm. So they need help on that day. So he sat me up in the back. I did a few names in the back. And then he's like, all right, you can move to the front. And then it was on after that. Did, um, um, 
Was it like what? Was it a street shop then? Totally. totally. Yeah. I mean, back, back then there wasn't anything that wasn't a street shop, right? Like not well, a I mean, lot of people. There's taking... you know, there's higher end street shops for sure. Uh -huh. You know, but yeah, yeah, there wasn't that many uh, custom shops even in New Orleans. There might have been one or just one I can think of, maybe. Do you remember what you tattooed on your girlfriend to to show him? Um, what was it? It was like a mystical fairy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Some like fluttery looking wings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you like New Orleans? Like, did you like living there? Oh yeah, that place. That place forged my soul for sure. You know. Yeah. I moved out of my house when I was 25, so I was always been kind of a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like I went there as a, you know, a child and came back a man. Mm -hmm. You know, that place changed. You know, being on my own, supporting myself, having it, starting my career. You know, doing the mm -hmm. whole thing kind of uh, gave me a lot of confidence that, you know, I'm, I am going to make it and it isn't going to be okay. Right. You know, tattooing is going to be the thing I'm going to do, you know? Yeah. So kind of set my future in concrete for sure. Cause you know, I wasn't going to go out there and fail, you know? I'm not, mm -hmm. So I feel like uh, that was probably one of the only way I was going to get out of the house is if I had to and mm -hmm. had to make it, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause living with grandma was really cushy. You right. Know I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long were how long were you there? In New Orleans? Yeah. Um, about three years. Yeah. Okay. And you were at that same yeah, shop never the whole time. Shops, Crescent. What, what yeah, was it called? Crescent City Tattoo. Crescent City Company. Tattoo. Yeah. And it, and uh, was your your buddy that got you the job? Was he at that same shop or? No, no he no. had worked at a different shop. He had had he was dating a girl that worked there. Okay. And then she gave Tiger Mike the word that I was looking for a job, and mm -hmm. I went down there talked to him. And, mm -hmm. That's how it transpired. So what? So it being a street shop in the South, what kind of stuff were you tattooing there? Well, like I said, they had a twenty-dollar Tuesday. That shop is known for that. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get a name on your arm or your leg for twenty bucks under seven letters. Mm -hmm. And I was making fifty percent at the time, so it's like ten bucks a name. Mm -hmm. you do seven or eight names in a day, on a busy day. You know? mm -hmm. But yeah, twenty dollar Tuesday. That's where I got my, you know, my chops in. I got a lot of good practice that way, especially with letters. Yeah. Yeah. You were when you were doing graffiti. You weren't super into letters. Did it? Were you like nervous going into tattooing letters? Or? Uh, my new script wasn't my my strong, gonna be my strong suit. Mm -hmm. But you know, I was I was uh, informed that I'm going to have to learn it. Yeah. Being twenty dollar Tuesday and mm -hmm. and just in general tattooing, you know, so. I was told that you draw a script, you know, so you draw it, you don't really, I guess my thing was trying to right. write it, you know, mm. you know, you draw those letters. So, yeah. So then things started to look a little better. Yeah. yeah. Do you do a lot of lettering now or? Not so much anymore. You know, when I first came back to San Jose, I did a lot more lettering, mm -hmm. but now I don't. Yeah. yeah. So it, w it wasn't just all names though, were you like? I'm curious if you got any like super racist shit. <laughs> that you had no, to... I did a, quite a bit of um, Confederate flag stuff. You mm -hmm. know, Tasmanian devils holding the Confederate flag. You'll send mm -hmm. You know, there were some you know slight little things in there that might not pass right these days, but nothing so super over the top. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the neighborhood kids would come get tattooed. They're you know they're different wards, it's like neighborhoods, yeah. you know, Ninth Ward, whatever. So there's a lot of that, did a lot of those. Old English. Mm -hmm. But it was a mix of everything, you know? I started to gain a pretty good clientele that let me be creative, so. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what made you want to come back to San Jose? Well, my girlfriend got pregnant, so she okay. wanted to be with her family. So, And it felt like I had my run there, you know? So mm -hmm. it was either I kind of mm -hmm. had maxed out at that shop. It was either um, turn the page or, you know, stay there, mm -hmm. you know? And like I said, my girlfriend wanted to um, be back with her family because she's from here. Mm -hmm. So we moved back. And uh, were, you were you confident that you had job prospects in San Jose that were like specifically tattooing? No, I, I just knew that I was good enough to be able to get myself in a job, you know, a job, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be anywhere, you mm -hmm. know, I think when I first came back to town, I, I, um, I think I went to Players Inc. first. Mm -hmm. And then where else did I go? House of Pain. Trying to get jobs or you uh -huh. tattooed at these places? No, trying okay. to get jobs. Uh -huh. like, calling them being like, hey, you know, somebody there. And then if they were there, I'd go over there and then mm -hmm. go talk to them, bring them my portfolio. So this would have been in like, oh, four. Oh, three, late oh, three, yeah. Okay. Late oh, three, so yeah, late oh, three. So you, got, so you went to Players Inc., which was on San Carlos, mm -hmm. right? And then House of Pain was in Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. And then? And then, uh, You know, I was taking the bus because I was staying on the east side, and I took the 22 down to um, downtown, and then uh, you know I just took the 23 over down San Carlos mm -hmm. to go to Players Inc. on the bus. But when I was on my way back, or on my way there, I had noticed humble beginnings because you know before I moved here, I went on the phone book or tried mm -hmm. to figure out mm -hmm. what was what. Yeah. And then I had seen it, and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know. And had some old English on the windows, and it was across the street from Roosevelt Park. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll fit in there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I grew mm -hmm. up in that neighborhood, and I used to walk through that park going to school. So yeah. it just felt already like, man, that might be cool if I get to work there because mm -hmm. it's just a real familiar area just in yeah. general. <clears throat> so um, on my way back, I noticed they were open, so I jumped off the bus and went and go talk to Orly. Mm -hmm. Did you know Orly? No. No. Mm -mm. And how'd that conversation go? Great. Yeah. Yeah. Clicked. Chopped it up. Knew a couple mutual people right off the bat, you know, just through conversation. And then mm -hmm. I think uh, some through graffiti, some through tattooing. So it was, mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, pretty immediate that we had a, our circles kind of touched, you know. Yeah. Do you remember who those people were? Um, let's see. I know he, well, some of it was through graffiti, and I'm not exactly sure who that might have been, but. Mm -hmm. Um, through tattooing, he had heard of Salem. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. And it, who, who else was tattooing at Humble Beginnings at the time? Jessica and Tino. Okay. Yeah. Um, I recognize Jessica's name, yeah. but I'm not familiar with their work and I don't recognize Tino. Was it, were they also doing tribal stuff like Orly or? Um, um, Tino did like some futuristic, organic, you know, he was a really creative dude that definitely doing some unique stuff that had a lot of style that was his own, which mm -hmm. was really cool to see. He did Polynesian stuff too, but mm -hmm. he definitely had his own take and creativity on, on tattooing for sure. Mm -hmm. It's pretty neat. And, you know, Jessica, he was, uh, they're both Orly's apprentice at the time when I started, or, you know, they're both 
kind of leaving the apprentice mm-hmm. phase. They're both already tattooing, but, um, you know, I think Orly had said back then he needed somebody to, because he didn't do a lot of color and he wanted somebody they could learn from that was doing more color stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was kind of some of his reasoning. Yeah. Although later he said, you know why I hired you? Because you're going to have a kid. And I was like, man, that's righteous, dude. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was, my lady was about to pop at yeah. that time, you know, it was just yeah. a couple months away when I got hired. Did, how, he didn't have kids at the time, though, right? No. Yeah, because his kids are younger. Um, the, how long between the time you came back and starting working at Humble Beginnings, how long did it take? Right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, and Humble Beginnings was on Santa Clara at the time. Mm-hmm. Nineteenth and between nineteenth and twentieth. Yeah. So, like you said, like right by where you grew up, and um, and what was that like? Yeah. What was like? Well, like you had, you didn't have. Orly didn't necessarily take you on as an apprentice because no, you'd, already point, been, you'd already been yeah. working three years. You didn't need an apprenticeship per se. Yeah, but I was still green, you know, and I was still uh-huh. new, you know, and I, I, you know, I think one of the, I kind of needed to leave at San Jose at that time in my life, and mm-hmm. I kind of needed to come back at that time in my life to San Jose, so I feel mm-hmm. like I was trying to find a way to reinvent myself, to kind of not attach myself to the old experience I had here just because... Mm-hmm. Tattooing was really important to me, and I didn't want any of the things that I had done before I had left to affect what I was trying to do in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of a jerk to a lot of people, so I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's always something I've been conscious not to involve in the tattoo world, you know? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And what did you, what did you learn while, uh, at Humble Beginnings? Um, probably more than anything, how to be a good person. Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I learned a lot of just, um, great human, great ways to be a human being, Mm -hmm. you know, from those guys. Mm -hmm. It's really cool working there. How so? Like what? Just, uh, um, being so involved, um, and how open armed they, you know, let me into the world of tribal, you know? So mm-hmm. I got to learn right away a lot of stuff that I felt was really sacred, you know? So it felt like an honor the whole time I was learning this stuff and getting to practice it as I did. So, mm-hmm. And then on top, working with some really righteous beings, you know, mm-hmm. you know, taught me a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you were doing a lot of tribal then? Totally, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and at the beginning, Orly would just draw it on and then I would sit down and tattoo it. He'd be busy, so he'd, he'd be like, "Hey, man, I need uh, I need some help." So, mm-hmm. and then it eventually just turned into me drawing it on and and doing it. Was that like what percentage would you say of the, uh, of the tattoos you were doing at the time were were tribal? I'd say you know I worked there about five years. I would say probably half of that time I was doing a lot of tribal. Yeah, you know. And then what was the other half? Tribal mixed with stuff that I wanted to do, larger scale Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. you know, big flowers and fun stuff. What drew you to Japanese? Mm. I think the connotative value, you know, it seems like it has a lot of purpose, just like a uh, tribal, mm-hmm. you know, 
I feel like those tattoos don't need a lot of words. Mm -hmm. And then plus, you're not really going to get to explain to everybody what your tattoo means anyway. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they have a lot of face value, you know? Yeah, I think that's why. Yeah. Um, are you still doing a lot of Japanese? Yeah, I like to. Yeah. And that's probably what I do more of mm -hmm. than anything. More, more flowers and water and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... You're at Humble Beginnings five years. Was it on Santa Clara that whole time? No, it was, uh, it was there a couple of years or so, about a year and a half or so when I was there. And then we moved to San Carlos Street above the motorcycle shop. Yeah, Got really close to San Jose Tattoo, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and almost across the street from Pinky too. And, yeah, what, uh, what year was, would that have been? Was P Pinky was still there? Yeah, then? he was still there. Because I remember when we first moved over there, Orly had grabbed a painting of mine and, he's, and, and his and one of uh, Jessica's. And he's like, I'm going to go take it to him and tell him we're in the neighborhood and mm. tell him thank you for everything you've done. You know, yeah. that's like one of I remember him. Yeah. He's like, you have a painting I can give him? I was like, yeah, here. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's dope. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Did, um... Were you, Orly told me a story of when they were shutting down Pinky's shop when he walked in and was like, I'll give you 1500 bucks for all of it. Were you there? Like, I was there when he came back. Yeah? Yeah, I was. Tell me that story from your perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't long after he had brought those paintings to kind of say, hey, we're in the neighborhood, um, that the shop closed and there's a dumpster out there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remember he had said he talked to him and he's going to go back the next day. Mm -hmm. And then when he came back, he had a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's like all I really remember is him making the contact and coming and, back to the shop and me being there. Mm -hmm. Being like, dang. Mm -hmm. you know? And I eventually ended up getting some of that stuff, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Is that the stuff that's hanging up over there? Yeah. 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 It's stuff that you got from Orly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that I've gotten has been from him, because when it, when uh, I guess after he had passed away and he was he had gotten a bunch of portfolios, mm -hmm. so he had kind of allocated them to different people that knew cared. Mm -hmm. How did he know that you cared? Uh, well, you know, respecting my elders, I had great admiration for the dude. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like. Almost every uncle I ever seen in San Jose had a tattoo from Pinky, you know? Uh -huh. Every every dude I asked, like, dude, where'd you get that? Oh, I got it at Pinky or somebody had a story, they got it at Pinky or mm -hmm. you know, so growing up it was just legendary, you know. Just, you know, um, just having having reverence for your elders. Yeah. You know, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. Um Okay, so what happened after Humble Beginnings? Where'd you go? Um, death Before Dishonor. Were you there from the get-go? Like, where, when? Um, I think they had been open for a couple years, or a couple months. Mm -hmm. And Paco had just left to Europe. Mm -hmm. So his brother was kind of running it. And uh, I was supposed to go interviewing Gilroy, but... I thought, oh, I'm going to go talk to these guys before because right, I was living right on 9th. They're mm -hmm. right downtown on 4th, so I was living right down, 
right. you know, on the other side of the camp, San Jose State from them. Right. So I was like, oh, I'll go talk to them, give them a shot. And uh, Crystal, he was like, pretty much just like, no, 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 come work here, come, come work here now. You know mm-hmm. I mean? I'm like, all right. That was that was Paco's cousin, brother. His brother, his, his brother. brother, yeah. What's his name? Crystal. Crystal. Yeah. Okay. He was kind of interesting. He did yeah. not come up in my interview with Paco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's his own individual, and uh, yeah. he has his own ways as well. So I feel like you know, um, brothers are brothers. Yeah. What was the environment like at at Death Before Dishonor? So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Who, so who was all the, I, I, the, I know that it, it was Paco, apparently Christo, uh, mm-hmm. you, Abraham, was Chono there at the time? Or? Chono was not there. Chronic Joe was there. Chronic Joe? Yeah. Who else was there? Is that it? Um, Ivan Gibson. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was, come? Drew would work there sometimes. Um, Rob's would work there sometimes. Rob Cervantes? Rob, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He would come work sometimes. Um... And what made it so fun? You know, I feel like uh, it just being downtown, the mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. around that building, mm-hmm. you know, not to mention the history in that building. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, I felt blessed just to work in that room, knowing the names that had, had tattooed in there, you know. Yeah. I used to do a lot of daydreaming in that room and just looking around and thinking, mm-hmm. like, damn, the tattoos that have gone down in here. Yeah. What names specifically? You know, like all the guys that worked at New School, yeah. you know, I feel like they're kind of the generation before I started tattooing. So mm-hmm. definitely I looked at all those guys as heavy hitters as soon mm-hmm. as I got back to town, but even before that. So I, you know, it was just neat to work in the same yeah. space. Was it like, cause I, I'm trying to think of how to word this question. Was there drama between DVD and analog, because I mean, it was analog basically picked up and left and uh, picked up and left new school for analog. And like, was you know, that, was there kind of weirdness there or? It didn't, it didn't seem like there was weirdness. It just seemed like they both needed to do their own thing at that time. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, looking back on it now, it makes a lot of sense. You know? Yeah. You know, I feel like that, uh, that shop grew in size and reputation over a course of a long period of time. So mm-hmm. I think uh, it kind of needed to break in two and do two different things, mm-hmm. you know? So were you doing a lot of Japanese at DVD then? I was starting to do more just from Paco's influence. You know, yeah. he definitely put me up on game with that. Yeah. For sure. Working with him was, was great because he had a, uh, a different approach than than I had been accustomed to as far as tattooing. So getting to watch him was uh, eye opening for sure. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. he's very technically sound, but artistically just brilliant uh, mm-hmm. tattooer. You know, so mm-hmm. watching him's real fun. Plus, he's a funny dude. Yeah, who was the boss that that gave you the name Corey? Good morning. I mean, that where it came. Oh, it was Orly's dad. Orly's dad. Yeah, it was Orly's dad. And he, I would, you know, he would be sitting in the shop, and I'd come in and tell him good morning, mm-hmm. even though it was that night. Was it? Was he like part owner of the shop, or you just no, no, out no, there a just lot, or? pops hanging out? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was family shop, so That's dope. pops is hanging out, and he would laugh at me and look outside at the sun and be like, "You're dumb," yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you know. 
Uh-huh. And then, yeah, just one time he walked in, he's like, hey, Corey, good morning. And I was like, dude, that sounds nice. I'm going to yeah. run with it. Okay. And you said at the time you felt the need to... Yeah, I, want, I needed a stage name. I wanted to recreate myself, so I kind of needed a, you know, personify a new kind of identity, I feel like, mm-hmm. just coming back home, you know. I didn't want to continue with what I left. I kind of want to start anew, so that was my attempt. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so you've, as a tattooist you, here in San Jose, you've always been known as Corey Good Morning, right? Yeah. Except for the short amount of time between coming back and where you actually yeah, got yeah, the yeah. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, everybody, you know the drill. If you love tattoos and you love San Jose and you are loving this show, Tattoo 408, here are some awesome things you can do that'll really help the show out. First, the easiest, go tell all your tattoo-loving friends and family about it. Leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's going to take you 10 seconds. If you're buying products at sanaderm.com, S-A-N-I-D-E-R-M.com, you can get soaps, balms, bandages, gloves, anything you need to help heal your tattoo. Use the code TATTOO408, T-A-T-T-O-O-408 at checkout. And of course, follow us on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. It's all tattoo.408. If you send your address in a DM, I will mail you some stickers. Thank you so much to Corey for taking the time to talk to me. The rest of this interview is going to be available on December 20th. Thank you so much to Tessia Spizak at TrashSack69 for the logo. Thank you to Mint Beats at mint.beats on Instagram of San Jose local beat maker for the music. Tattoo 408 is produced by me. I'm Ethan Gregory Dodge, and it is copyrighted under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. See y'all next week. Later.